Welcome again to another episode of Touring the AFC South. On this week's episode, we talked to NFLPA Senior Manager for Communications, Brandon Parker, as well as we are going to talk about some overreactions within the AFC South. But before we get started, two things we have to do. If you have not already, go ahead and subscribe where you're listening to the show, uh, whether it's uh, Spotify or Google uh, Podcast, wherever that may be. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcast, go ahead and give me that five-star rating and review. Thank you. Now to these early hits. I thought about saving, I thought about saving this one for later in the show. But let's talk about it now. The University of Southern California fired head coach Clay Helton, and now the position is open. The first name that was floating around social media, of course, was none other than Jacksonville Jaguars current head coach, Urban Meyer, he who coached at Ohio State and coached at Florida and coached at Utah, among other places. To his credit, Urban denied being interested saying that he wanted to stay where he was and, you know, giving us all that that different lingo that says he's committed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But where have we heard this one before? Remember a certain head coach for the Miami Dolphins that said he didn't want to go back to college, and then what did he do all of a sudden? He went back to the university, to college, I'm sorry, and the University of Alabama. His name Nick Saban. Not saying Urban Meyer is or isn't going to go back to college, but Urban's mode of operation doesn't say he's going to sit through losses, and that's what the Jags are going to do a lot of more than likely this year. We'll see what happens there. Of course, with the first week of the NFL season comes injuries. Unfortunately, some of those were season-ending injuries, course, for uh, Mostert, uh, running back for the 49ers, it's a knee injury for him, and the oft-injured running back is going to have surgery and will cause him to miss the rest of the season. Well, what caught me more off guard about this injury is that his wife had to tell people to lay off of him with the threats of on his life. Yes, people so serious about him being out that they were threatening him about his life. Probably some fantasy football owners were in that mix in his and in his DMs. Well, what I'm going to need these uh, keyboard gangsters to do is fall back and be easy. I'm not sure if any of them would love to see any of these NFL players pull up to their front door, knock on their door, and ask, hey, did you really want these problems? Yeah, you got to start holding your tongue on social media. You really don't want them. People, get a hold of yourselves. 
that's the early hits for this week. Up next, we're going to talk about the overreactions in the AFC South after one week of play. Damn, my girl, this is right here. This is right here. Welcome back to the show. And of course, week one of the NFL is in the books. We had some surprising wins. We had some bad, bad, bad losses. And of course, one of the worst losses that everyone's talking about is the Tennessee Titans losing at home badly to the Arizona Cardinals. The game really wasn't very, very close. Of course, a lot of penalties. Titans had trouble offensively, defensively. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals were doing whatever they wanted to do. And of course, the biggest reactions were, my goodness, what's going on with the Titans? They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. And... There were people that actually started to say after a 0-1-1 start and a bad season that a bad season was coming for the Titans. Folks, I'm gonna need you to calm down. That overreaction. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Honestly, you look a couple years ago, they started with Marcus Mariota. They didn't start very well. They were way out of the playoff picture. Then who comes in? As the starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. The rest is history. The Titans go on a march to the playoffs, make it all the way to the AFC title game. They've been successful. They figured out the formula. I'm pretty sure one game is not going to determine their season. So be easy, Titans fans. Be easy, NFL fans. One game does not make a season for the Titans. Now, of course, there was another surprising win in the AFC South. But this one from a team that no one expected to win in the Houston Texans. Tyrod Taylor led the Houston Texans over the Jacksonville Jaguars as, of course, Trevor Lawrence made his NFL debut, and it was a rocky one. He had three interceptions, trying to beat coverages, thinking his arm's going to throw it through the coverage, and he found out that he's not in college anymore. So the Texans took advantage, made some things happen, and they, in effect, blew them out. Now, for Houston, some fans may think that team is going to be better than what they were. I will tell you this, they've heard all the noise talked about them the entire offseason about how they're not very good and all those type of things. And, you know, a lot of times that type of talk can galvanize the locker room. But can it galvanize a locker room to win nine or ten ball games and potentially win the AFC South? I'm not sure it can. 
So if you out there, you're out there thinking the Texans will be better than what anyone thinks they will be, or if you're a Texans fan, I'll say this. Enjoy the first win. Might be a pretty long time before you get another. Potentially. Potentially. As far as Jacksonville, not necessarily the opening you want. But I will say the team more than likely will get better. And the next time they see the Houston Texans might not be as bad an ending as we saw in Houston. Hey, who knows? Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe uh, Urban might not be as stressful. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he's uh, at the University of Southern California by then. I digress. I'm just joking. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And finally, the Indianapolis Colts. Their defense was a top five defense last year, and it was hard to score against them a lot for a lot of teams. Well, I would say this. Mr. Lockett, Tyler Lockett, and Mr. Russell Wilson, they were definitely connecting a lot against that Colts secondary. Of course, you know, it didn't look good for the Colts defense. Of course, you had Michael Pittman disappearing on offense. But, hey, it is the the Seahawks defense. And, you know, Pete Carroll can can scheme it up with the best of them. But that defense cannot give up those type of plays to Mr. Tyler Lockett because they will be facing tougher receivers than him. I mean, look, in Tennessee, you have A.J. Brown and you have Julio Jones. So that's tougher right then and there. I mean, but I mean, we'll see what happens. Not trying to downgrade Mr. Tyler Lockett, but, you know, uh, those two guys in Tennessee, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would take them ahead of him. So definitely not time to hit panic time for the Colts. I will say that. But there is a little bit of meter of concern, especially when the immortal Xavier Rhodes, ye of... Being in the league for a long time is your best corner. So we'll see what happens. There is a cause of concern there. I don't think it's overreaction there. Might be a little bit overreaction everywhere else, but in the Colts uh, camp, might not be as much overreaction with the way Tyler Lockett toasted that secondary. But, hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens and, uh, you know, like I, I didn't mention one thing, which is the Titans' offensive line, which they did look very bad, but I don't think they'll look as bad in the next game. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's uh, talking about our overreactions that I uh, saw around social media about the teams in the AFC South. When we come back, we'll be talking to NFL PA Senior Manager of Communications Brandon Parker, you're tuned in to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Welcome to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. 
And, uh, you know, oftentimes we talk about the player side of the NFL and, you know, dealing with owners. But what about the people that are considered considered the middlemen, the NFLPA? <laughs> My next guest is the Senior Manager of Communications for the NFLPA. Welcome, Brandon Parker, to the show. How you doing, man? Doing good, Mike. Appreciate you having me on, man. Hey, well, I appreciate you uh, coming on and taking the time to talk with me for a little bit. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Now, how long have you been working for the NFLPA? So uh, it's been about it's about five years now. I started in 2016. Okay. All right. And, you know, I did do a little bit of research, and, and I saw where you were at the Washington Post before that. So being, being a sports reporter at that, so how was it going from the Washington Post to working for the NFL PA? Uh, it was actually a bit more of a seamless transition than, than you might think or, or than I might have expected. Um, so, yeah, as you said, uh, right before I came to the NFL PA, I was at the Washington Post and I, was, I made a few other stops. I was I was in sports journalism for about 10 or 11 years and. You know, it, it was a dream. Got to do a lot of great experiences, and and that's what I went to school for. So, you know, again, being able to do that and cover everything from high schools to pro basketball to some football, what was great. Um, but you know, towards the end, I just felt like I kind of you know needed to change. Felt like I was getting a little burnt out, and you know, having a family, a young family priorities change and I was trying to find something I, I knew I wanted to stay in sports but trying to find something that was a little bit more work-life balance that I could I could manage so um I always I always get credit to my wife on this one because as I was looking for jobs she's the one that came upon the uh the NFLPA opportunity and uh you know a lot of people say the communications somewhat PR side is like the dark side um but like I said it, it was kind of a seamless transition because basically I kind of see it as like being on two sides of a table. Um, before I was on the other side of the table where, you know, you're chasing the news, you're trying to break news, you know, talk to different sources. Now I'm on the other side of the table where those same people I used to work with, they're the ones coming to me trying to get news about CBA, you know, union stuff, season players, whatever it is. So, you know, having that experience and knowing what reporters are looking for, um, helps me with like pitching stories or just, you know, having those conversations, whether it be off the record background, um, just having that sense of, of what a reporter is looking for, I think helps inform how to do my job now. And then, you know, some of the writing with the press releases and everything. So, you know, it, it was definitely an adjustment in some ways too. Um, cause you know, having been on that side where, you got a deadline, you know about this, you got a deadline, you're waiting for somebody to call you back or email you back. It's like, I, I've been there. So I try to, I want to help people out as much as I can, but also have to remember that I serve the PA and the players and the bigger organizations. So sometimes it's not always in our best interest to say everything or respond at a certain time. So I had to kind of work, work through that. But again, if, if, every, if anything has helped me be, you know, empathetic in that, even if I can't comment on a situation, I'm going to email back a reporter because I know, I, you know, at least they can check out the box and say, OK, this person responded to me versus not hearing at all. So, again, it's it's helped in a lot of ways. And, and I'm glad I made the transition. It's been good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so. <clears throat> 
did you ever did you always envision this type of role or did you kind of like just develop into this role uh into the nflpa definitely didn't envision it um like when i first started out uh in sports journalism after college you know i was i was i was a lifer you know thinking you're gonna climb this ladder do these certain steps be like the next mike wilbon or whoever um and you know like i said you know when when life changes and family and different priorities change it kind of evolves how the way that you look at things so um yeah i, I definitely like i said i think like i told you before like a lot of people see the pr communications as like the dark side so i was like trained in my mind like no you're never gonna go over there you're gonna stick with <laughs> sports journalism so um so yeah I, I didn't envision it but you know god has a way of working out things and it's definitely been been a good uh transition and i could see myself you know growing you know in the pr communication side of things so it's been good gotcha so you uh in, in essence you became uh darth vader but you, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah some people might say that yeah <laughs> all right can you explain to folks exactly what you do with nflpa sure so uh it's kind of threefold um one the, the main thing is media relations so i work with reporters um you know when when they come to us about different inquiries or, or or things that need to be messaged out so you know the last year and a half we've really been at the forefront just with like the cba negotiations to the COVID protocols that are still going on so working closely with the media to inform them and make sure that what they're uh reporting out is fair and accurate so we understand that everybody's gonna like us most people probably would say they don't like the union that we're not doing a great job but that's you know that's not really the main concern that's just to make sure that we put the truth out there so people can take the facts and uh just understand what we do in terms of protecting the players um and then the second part of it is promoting our player programs uh we do we're kind of we're, we call ourselves a full service union so we do a lot to make sure that players have the resources and support they need during their career and when they transition to the next stage of their career after football so um we have like continuing education programs we have a uh, externship where guys can get experience within different career fields during the off season. Uh, we have our community MVP program, which is what I head up in, in what, probably one of the favorite parts of my job or is my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the job where uh, each week during the regular season, we recognize one player who does something to pour back into his community. And we've kind of taken on this like superhero theme and, and guys are really engaged with it and, we donate back to their uh, foundation, and and it's just really cool to show people that, that these guys are more than just athletes. They have passions and causes off the field that they're uh, committed to. Uh, we have our athlete and movement, where kind of in the same vein, we show like their athletes and uh, chefs, their athletes and entrepreneurs. So again, talking about the whole person and not just the athlete. Um, so, like you know, again, different ways that we can pitch stories or message what we're doing to support players. And then the third part of it is uh, kind of internally making sure that, you know, our staff is informed about what's going on, because pretty much everything that goes out publicly funnels through the communications department. Um, but when, whether it comes to our Players Inc., which is our for-profit arm that, that makes money through marketing and licensing or 
our legal department, former players department, our job and, and, and me in terms of making sure everybody's on the same page so we understand how all of our different departments and, and those parts come together to work as a whole um, for the union. Gotcha, gotcha. Now that we've, uh, I would say we've definitely got familiar with what you do. Um, now I would ask, you know, how does the communication go between you, the players and the NFL? How does that kind of all work together? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a process for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, cause I, I think in, in that web or trio, you know, I think the players are kind of in the middle, um, because, you know, we're the union, our, our mission is to make sure that we protect the wages, working conditions, hours, health and safety of our players. Um, but then on the league side they're you know the owners they're kind of the employers so the the biggest thing is is getting people to understand that you know yes they're athletes but th this is their job you know just like you're employed by a certain organization um and you have things you have to follow and listen to but also a lot of people have unions and it's great when you do have a union organization kind of vouch for you and make sure that your rights are being protected um so the players are kind of sometimes pulled in both directions because they're trying to please both sides, but also make sure that, you know, they're fully informed and not being um, backdoored in, in any way. Um, so, you know, and, and then also what you don't even mention there is the agents and the marketing reps, you know, all the different people that they have, you know, in their life, in their circle that they have to listen to and try to account for. And that's even bigger now that guys have expanded their platforms and kind of looked beyond just the playing field. So, you know, it, it can be tough to, to to get their attention in certain ways. You know, we understand that. We try to be engaging with our messaging and try to use social media and digital media or email and different things like that. But, you know, understanding that they, they're so busy during the season, they got so many things going on. You know, it's it, again, that's on us to make sure that we, we stay uh, close to these guys. And, and I think this past year, as crazy as it's been, as bad as it's been in a lot of ways, like it's also when we kind of had to shut down and pause, it gave us a chance to kind of learn the players in a different way. Um, and for them to see the importance of the union when they've gone through these protocols and health and safety things. And right before that, we were doing a CBA. So I think th this past year has kind of helped in, in a weird way, that relationship. Um, but yeah, it, it can definitely be a challenge in, in trying to make sure the players are getting the right message and, and blocking out any other noises coming in. Gotcha. You know, you know, we, I want to dive a little bit more into that, if you don't mind, about this year and the last, uh, you know, the last year and, and going into this year as well. You know, the NFL playing through a pandemic, probably the, the only one that really didn't have any interruption the entire time. Mm -hmm. uh, how has it been handling all that? It's been crazy, man. Like this, this Pat, like, this, this past summer was kind of the first time we could kind of breathe a little bit because it was just from the beginning of last year, 2020, even before the pandemic, like we were in the middle of CBA, the collective bargaining negotiations. And, and literally the same week that we just passed the current CBA, which is a, an 11-year deal that gives us labor peace uh, through the 2030 season, that's when everything shut down. So it's like literally the the, the the ink was still not dry on the paper when we had to go back to the table and do amendments to that CBA 
to uh, to work out things like how the revenue was going to be split up, knowing that we weren't going to make as much money with no fans in the stands. Um, the different health and safety protocols, like the preseason got knocked out, training camp had to look different and, and all those things. So it was, you know, it was definitely a long drawn out process. But again, I think it, it showed the importance of, of the union and, and it gave us like another another glimpse and another experience that we could sh- you know use as a union to say you know this this is why we fight for your rights and even for us it was a learning experience because you know none of us have been through something like this before and we're it's still evolving we're still learning because this virus just keeps evolving unfortunately so um yeah it's 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 been wild man it's it's been non-stop now you know when the protocols are i would say you know of course the the COVID protocols that come out and of course they changed over from last year to this year as well there's been some changes um now you know when they're coming out the nfl players and nfl ownership are going through them how arduous a process is that it's it's as as tough as you would imagine like all labor negotiations are are tough and you have the potential to reach an impasse on on certain situations because there's so many different interests that people have you know in in whatever the agreement is or in trying to make things work. So, you know, start with the union side. Our mission, like I said, is to protect the health and safety and working conditions of our players and making sure that the environment's set so that they can go about their job safely, their families are protected when they're coming back home, um, all those things. The owners, on the other hand, their interest is the bottom line. So while players, yes, are concerned about revenue too, because, you know, that's where their, their paychecks come from, the owners are thinking about, you know, ways that they can save money or, or how is this going to impact me down the line? Um, so, you know, for, for, for them, you know, they're, they're more so thinking about their stadiums and different things like that. We're thinking about the players. So it, it's, it was, it's a lot, you know, to get on the same page. And then, like I said, we were just coming off the collective bargaining negotiations, which, as people might remember, got tense, you know, for sure, as, as most of them do. So, you know, you're coming off, things are kind of fragile, and then you have to go back in there and try to figure this out. But it was actually, you know, I, I saw, we saw a lot of great improvements in our relationship, because I think in this case, we all had the common goal of we wanted to complete a full season. And like you said, thankfully, we so far, we're, we're the only sports league that did it with no interruptions. I mean, there are some close calls for sure. We knew it wasn't going to be perfect in terms of nobody catching the virus or not any outbreaks or anything like that. But thankfully, for the most part, everybody remained safe. The games were played. Players earned their full salaries, which was, again, you know, unprecedented in terms of uh, what we were able to do and negotiate as a union. So um you know i I think it helped unite us in in a lot of ways and i think it it helped our relationship with the league to where you know when we're going back into the season now we had to go back to the drawing board and and do some different things and it helped that relationship to to have that experience in our pockets where we had to work together and come together as a common goal but it you know looking back yeah hindsight's 2020 but it was it was it was rough at times like you, you might remember uh I guess it was a little this time last year, a little bit earlier. Um, the players did that. It was a hashtag. We want to play. Um, and guys like JJ Watt and Russell Wilson came out and we were just saying, like, we want our families to be protected. That was 
I, I don't think in, in my five years, like that was the most solidarity that I'd seen from among our players in that five years. And obviously the union's 65 years old. So there's been a lot of moments like that, but for this generation of players, I think this is the most solidarity that they saw. And I'm fortunate that it had to happen around time in a pandemic like this, but it was, it, I think again, the guys saw the power of when they came together. Cause once that happened, the ball started moving in their direction, in our direction, in terms of um, the owners agreed to, to, to do daily testing and they covered all the costs. Um, different health and safety protocols were put into place to, again, make things work. So, again, a lot of lessons were learned, a lot of, a lot of tough moments were, were had and conversations were had, but it, it all worked out so far. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, of course, the biggest difference between this year and compared to last year is there's actually a vaccine or a, multiple vaccines out there. So, of course, you know, there is the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Um, what is kind of your role in kind of setting those things up for both sides to be satisfied or kind of getting that information out there? Uh, yeah. So that, you know, that comes like I talked about earlier about the messaging Um it's, it's, you know, I often say sports is like a microcosm of society. So we understood, you know, there, there's going to be a part of our player population, the 2,000 guys, that's not going to want to get the vaccine. We have been encouraging players, and we still are, to get the vaccine. That's, that's the safest thing to do. But we didn't want to go as far as having a vaccine mandate because we wanted to respect everybody's, you know, ability to make a choice. But we, we thought... Okay, instead of, you know, twisting their arm, let's let's give them the information. They have, you know, our medical team is 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 great of experts from Dr. Tom Mayer and the league has great medical experts on their side. The players have access to some of the top doctors in the world. So we were like, okay, these people are going to be in front of them giving the information that they need, hoping that that education leads to them understanding the importance of getting the vaccine and no, it's not 100%, but as of last week, we were at around 93% of, of players were had at least gotten one shot and were in the process to get fully vaccinated. So I think as a country, we're probably around like 70%. So we're doing pretty good. Um, you know, it'd be great to be 100% across the board. But, you know, understanding that there's going to be a population that doesn't want to get vaccinated, that's when we have to say, okay, what can we do to protect those, those that group of players in terms of wearing your mask, um, understanding the different situations that they're going to be in? Um, but essentially, you know, last year kind of informed that because basically last year is for unvaccinated players. This year is the same as last year in terms of you have to wear a mask everywhere, the devices to track, you know, close contacts and everything. For vaccinated players, it, it's a little bit different in terms of, you know, they don't necessarily have to wear a mask everywhere. And they only get tested right now once every seven days. As a union, we're pushing the lead to go back to daily testing for everybody because we've seen the Delta variant, you know, is no respect of a person. So if you're vaccinated or not, you can still get COVID. Um, so we want to make sure that players on a daily basis are understanding, you know, I might have it, but I might not have any symptoms. But if you're going seven days without being tested and you're vaccinated, you know, who knows what could happen in those seven days that you didn't realize because you didn't have symptoms. So it's still a process. We're still pushing um, on that end. But 
it used to be once every 14 days that vaccinated players are getting uh, tested. So it's moving in the right direction. And hopefully, you know, guys continue to remain safe and make uh, make wise decisions for them and their families. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, I know uh, like that situation, it isn't necessarily all roses for all situations. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do you handle the disagreements that happen? Uh Great question, because they happen a lot. Um, like, I mean, in that, you know, internally, when you're when you're working with 2000 different players, you know, there's so many, like I said, there's so many different interests. You've got uh, the superstar players are thinking one way. The majority of the league is kind of the middle class um, and they're veterans making the veteran minimum. You've got rookies who are thinking in a different way. So like you, it's. You have to account for all these different mindsets, all these situations and scenarios and try to get everybody on the same page. We're understanding they're not going to agree 100 percent across the board, but at least they have an understanding that, okay, for the most part, this is going to work in my favor for my good. Um, But, you know, the nature of collective bargaining when it comes to us in the league is you sometimes have to give a little to get a little. So, you know, a lot of people look at things like, um, the commissioner power, like uh, Roger Goodell used to be kind of the judge in the jury. Um, so you look, look at something like that, or you look at the revenue split um, where, you know, pe- people thought, okay, players should just should get this amount. They should get the most money. Um, but it's not like, isn't, we're not in a candy store. We can't just go in there and say, okay, we want this, 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 make it happen. Boom. It's like, there's another side. they also have their interests in what they want to do in their list of things. So, um, you know, a lot of people see compromise and bargaining as, as weakness, but that's that's the process. So we're going to get some things. We've made some great advancements in health and safety and revenue and player salary. But there's also some things that the owners are going to get on their side to make it all work um, as an agreement. So it's tough. But, you know, you have to have those tough conversations. Sometimes you have to swallow, you know, the fact that you're not going to get everything that you want. But there's there's things that we stick to as a hard line and sticking to that mission of health and safety. Um, and, you know, we feel good about the place that we're in as a union. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, <clears throat> we've gone through a lot of different things uh, from talking about uh, COVID to get to the pandemic to what all you do at the NFOPA. But uh, what is something that no one really thinks about or overlooks when it comes to the NFLPA? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I've kind of mentioned some things throughout, like I mentioned the collective bargaining side of things, like people don't realize there's like a give and take. Um, and I, I think particularly before this time, this past year, I think people didn't really see the importance of a union. Um, cause you know, when people think of unions, they think about like coal miners and steel workers and teachers not really something that you think that athletes or football players would need but you know when you're talking about health and safety and covid protocols and you know the cba and all that i think people saw that you know these the only reason we were able to get through a full season the only way players got their full salaries last year was the fact that they had a union fighting for them um so i think you know people it's easy to take the union for granted and kind of see us as like an insurance company. Like, Oh, I'll call the union if I get fined for this, or if I get in trouble off the field and, and we're here to help in that way too. Um, but there's so much, so much more, so many different, like I mentioned, a lot of the player programs that we offer 
that are that make us a full service union so um you know i, I think I, I i my message would be the people knowing that you know a union isn't just something where we we come together every few years to do a, a cba there's just so much more that we do on a day-to-day -day basis that you don't see or maybe doesn't show up in the paper or online but you know it helps keep players on the field it helps keep this game going that people love so much gotcha gotcha well i want to thank you for coming on tonight and yeah. uh just you know answering all my questions and giving uh everyone that listens a, a nice in-depth view of what all goes on with the nflpa um if you if you want uh tell everyone where they can uh find you or anything else you'd like to tell everyone uh yeah you, you can find me on twitter um you know I, i'm i'm not the most exciting person i tweet <laughs> but you know you get what you get uh but my twitter is uh brandon c parker at brandon c parker um yeah you can look me up on all platforms uh but yeah i just want to say thank you mike i appreciate you having me on i appreciate the questions you ask because again it's nice to kind of inform what the union does as a whole because i think a lot of people either don't know or just like you said kind of underestimate what it takes so this was great man i appreciate it well thanks for coming on again you're welcome anytime anytime i have any questions i know we come to <laughs> got you man anytime yes sir uh this has uh, been touring the asc south with your host mike Patton.